uh, I got to just get this out there. Uh, um, you know, it's okay to clap here. So those awkward, like, and then everybody starts coming in eventually. You know, we can just give the Lord a hand. It's okay. It's, it's, it's really okay. Um, you can say amen. You know, all that means is that you agree with what's being said. You can, you can let it out a little bit. Um, it's fine. Just don't do it too loud because I'll get distracted. Um, but do it, but not too loud. You know what I'm saying, right? Like there's a middle ground there. So anyways, uh, we're going to jump into Ephesians chapter 1, picking up where Brett left off last week. And just to summarize everything that he said, um, what he had to say, uh, what Paul says in uh, verses 4 through 14, is basically you've been saved from so much and you've been saved for so much. His grace has been lavished on you. You've been adopted into the sonship of the king, right? He has sealed you with his spirit, guaranteeing your inheritance. You have been saved from so much, right? But a lot of times as Christians, we get caught up in our worlds. Uh, we do our thing, and then we just assume that all of that was to be experienced after we're dead. You know what I mean? Like that's just, we, we have our security, we have our eternal security set, and so now we just do what we want and we want to then No. You see, the Lord, he, he's blessed you. He's given us a salvation that is to be experienced now, right? Uh, to be experienced now, to experience his power as we get to grow and know him better. And so that's the whole point of today is that we have this wondrous salvation and in view of that, let's live it out. Let's experience him now. Let's get to know him better. And if we do, You'll know his power in your life. It's a real thing, right? So that's where we're going today. And I want to invite Nate Meeker up uh, to read our passage for this morning uh, in Ephesians chapter 1. If you're using the Blue Bible, I think it's page 814 uh, in front of you. And I want to go ahead and just invite you, if you're able, to stand uh, for the reading of God's word this morning. Good morning. This morning's scripture reader is from the book of Ephesians chapter 1, verses 15 through 23. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the, bed, from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every title that can be given, not only in the present age but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Awesome. Thank you, Nate, for reading that for us. You can have a seat. If you would, join me in a word of prayer. Our God, we just pray um, that if nothing else happens today, uh, that simply this would happen, that we would get to know you better. Now, to know you better, to know your power for us. God, you've given us um, just so many ways. You've invited us into this experience, and we ask that uh, this great salvation that we claim and that we, that we know, that it wouldn't just, um, just sit in our hearts, God, but that we would experience your power even now, that we wouldn't wait until death to, uh, um, to know your power. 
and to know you, God, but that we would, pursuing, we would be pursuing these things uh, at a, with a fervor and a commitment and a passion that we haven't before. So God, would you give these to us? Would you do this work in our hearts today? In Jesus' name, amen. Um, so I like to play basketball. I'm not great at it, but I like it. Uh, when my knees allow me to, uh, to play it, then I'll, then I'll go for it. And about a year ago, I was playing at a local elementary school um, uh, with a bunch of elementary kids, and I was just lighting them up, you know. No, it was, uh, it was uh, um, uh, an open gym just for guys, and uh, we were playing, and there was this guy who strolled in. And just to let you know how judgmental I am, I just kind of scaled him up and down. I was like, eh, you know, maybe, I don't know. It might be good. You know, it, like today, if you're into basketball, it's like a whole fashion code, isn't it? Like, just watch the NBA. Everybody all of a sudden has compression sleeves all over their arms. It's just grown men in tights, you know, like running around with shorts and high-dollar shoes. I mean, high-dollar shoes, right? And it's got to have some name on it. Um, it's, just a, it's just a thing, right? So now, if you play basketball, you're able to maybe assume somebody is good just based on what they wear. It's kind of like me with my golf game. I, I at least try to dress the part um, just to throw people off. I can't really play the part, but I'll dress the part, hopefully. So this guy walks in, and he looks like he just worked, you know, for a 12-hour shift at a brick factory. You know what I mean? He just looked worn out and tired and kind of dirty and scruffy and just unprepared. Didn't even look like he wanted to be there, right? Everything was just worn out. Um, and so I was like, okay. And then not only that, but he had a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles t-shirt on, right? Which I got nothing against the turtles. Like, that's, that's all good. But, like, to see that shirt on a basketball court is kind of funny, Right? And so I didn't know what to expect, but I didn't expect much, and you can finish the story, can't you? I mean, he just shoved my judgmentalism right down my throat, like the whole night. Um, and it was actually a, a great pleasure uh, to be absolutely ridiculed by this guy because he was so good. Like, I had no idea what to expect. Turns out, as in the case with Terre Haute, like, there's a lot of washed-up athletes that were really good in high school, but they just didn't commit themselves, you know, apply themselves. So he had a name back in high school, and now he just spends his time making fools of people like me who are just trying their hardest, you know? Um, so he was... He, he just started lighting it up. I mean, he could dribble like Kyrie, but he could pass like Stockton, and there was just nothing that you could do to stop him. And it got to the point where it's like, and this happens sometimes when I'm playing with people who are so good that I'll just, like, follow them around. Like, I have no game strategy that night. I just want to be close to you and just to see how you do things. And you can trash talk me all you want, and I'll probably just agree with you and say, yeah, and smile and follow you around. That's, what I'll, that's how I'll play that night because I'm impressed. You know what I mean? Now, it's one thing to stand on the sidelines and see somebody like that playing, you know, and you can appreciate it. You're kind of intrigued. You can appreciate how good they are from a distance, but it's a whole other thing when you're face-to-face with them, right, when you're the one being made a fool or when you're on his team because if you know people like that, what do they do on their team? They make everyone else better, right? So if you're on his team, you're going to score more points. Uh, uh, you're, you're just going to be better because that's what people like that do. So it's just fun to be on the court with them, right? And wouldn't you believe God wants us to be on the court with him, right? To, to, to just be in awe of him, to just walk around with him, to just follow him around and just look at what he's doing. He wants us to know his power, right? There's a lot of lessons that I learned like that uh, that night. One, don't judge a book by its cover, duh, right? We learned that in like kindergarten. But two, man, the more I was on the court with this guy, the more I got to learn and know firsthand his ability, Right? Jesus invites us onto the court with him. 
He wants us to know his ability. But so often, we as believers, we sit on the sidelines and we look at it and we think, that's pretty cool what's going on. But you don't know it. You haven't experienced the power. You don't know fully his ability, right? You're just looking from the outside in, just appreciating what's going on. He wants so much more for us, doesn't he? He wants so much more for us. And so that's where we're going today. He, he invites us, three invitations to get to know him better. And as a result, according to Ephesians, as we know him better, we get to know his power better. We know his power in our lives. And I want to level the playing field tonight and just ask this question. Tonight, did I say tonight? Today, this morning. Who here is in need of God's power? I'll be the first to raise my hand. You can raise your hands to this, right? Because most people need his power, right? If you're here and you don't think you need his power, then I pray nothing else happens today in your heart other than you realize that you need his power, right? You need his power because you're going through something. You need his power because you are in uh, um, some tough place in your life. You need his power on behalf of somebody else in your life who's struggling, right? We need his power. And so what I want to do today is give you an equation that comes from Ephesians, um, and it's simple. They all start with the same letter, so you can remember it, but I promise you that by the end of the day, I, or I guess I can't subject my promises to how attentive you are, but I hope that by the end of the day, you'll see the truth in this, right? And the equation goes as follows. Prayer plus perspective plus people equals power. Prayer plus perspective plus people equals power. All right, so we're going to unpack that today. That's where we're going. Uh, Ephesians chapter 1, verses 15 and 16. Let's spend a while talking about prayer. All right, Logan? I have, a, I have an issue. Like when I make eye contact with somebody, I've got to call it out because it's just weird unless you do. Unless you, you know what I'm saying? So anyways, verse 15. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all of God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you remembering you in my prayers, right? So he says, for this reason. For what reason? Well, go online and listen to the sermon from last week, right? The blessings of the salvation. That's, that's the reason. And for this reason, Paul is overflowing with joy because he's seeing the Ephesians live out their salvation in faith and in love for God's people, in faith and in love for God's people, right? Paul was thankful when salvation played out in faith and love for people. By the way, this is, these are markers of genuine salvation, right? They had it, and it filled him with joy to hear about it. Faith in Christ, no matter the circumstances, no matter when things get hard, right? Even when you're battling doubt, when you don't get your way, when you're at your end, your faith remains, right? Because faith sustains And not only that, but a love, a love for all of God's people, right? Not just here, not just your friends and your family, but all of God's people. And he has a vast, wide, uh, diverse array of of his people, doesn't he? Right? They're all over the globe. We have a love for all of them. And it's our commitment to each other. It's sharing life and experience with God's people. It's being overjoyed when you hear of the faith and love of other believers. And it's also uh, experiencing heartache with God's people who are suffering. This is what this means, right? So the question stands, uh, does it bring you joy when God's people live in faith and in love? Is this something that you have an awareness to? And it brings you joy when you see people living in faith and in love, right? Sometimes we disregard this, don't we? We disregard the work of God in faith and love in other believers over trivial things, non-essential matters, right? We do this all the time. 
Now, I'm grateful for the strides that uh, FBN has taken in these places, but still, uh, around this town and around the globe, people still get hung up on, on just music styles and worship styles, that kind of stuff, right? Sometimes, even still, it, just, it severely matters how you dress. And based on how you dress, will determine whether or not somebody sees the work of God in your life. A lot of times it happens because of our own spiritual assessment of people, right? We assess people, we see them, we think, man, they should be further. Why haven't they picked this up yet? But we, we <coughs> excuse me, we lose track of their own um, 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 spiritual growth, right? We, we misassess them because we, we, we forget that they have no spiritual support at the home, right? Or they haven't been a believer for that long. But in our minds, according to our standards, they need to be acting this way and talking this way. And if they don't do it like us, then we write off the things that God is actually doing in their lives, We might think it's small, but it's actually really huge anytime God works in someone's life, right? Paul had joy whenever he heard of their faith and their love. That was his prayer. It was thankfulness, but it didn't stop there. It kept going, right? His prayer did. Verse 17 uh, through the first part of 19. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. Right? So, if you're in that place of, ex- uh, of expressing faith and love because of God's salvation, cool. But Paul's desire was that they would just continue in that, right? That's the wonderful thing about the Christian faith is you never max out until you're face to face with Jesus. You never max out. We are to always be growing, always be knowing, always be increasing in our knowledge of Christ, knowing him in our experience of God's power, right? So if you think you've leveled off, if you think you've maxed out, you haven't. There's a lot of Christ to know still, and he has a lot of power for you to experience still. But there's three words that stick out in here, right? They kind of sound synonymous, but they're kind of unique at the same time. Wisdom, revelation, enlightenment. Right? Wisdom in the Greek, if you were reading this in the Greek, it would say the word Sophia. Right? So if you've named your daughter Sophia, then you've deemed her a wise person, and I hope she lives up to it. Right? Wisdom. It derives from the root word that means skill or expert. And so literally, wisdom means to be an expert, to be skilled in the spiritual things, right? To grow in wisdom. And this is rooted in the spirit, but it's also something that you can make uh, strides towards. Right? You can actually grow in these things. We are to make every effort towards these things. Spiritual giftedness, spiritual fruits, they come from the Spirit, but we are also to pursue them and to grow in them. That's wisdom, right? Uh, Valentine's Day is right around the corner. For a lot of guys in here, this is going to be the greatest test of your wisdom through the whole year, right? Because that's night, that night is going to test your wisdom when it comes to your relationship with your special person. And I hope that in your wisdom... You use that night to set up a scenario that makes you know each other better based upon what, you li- what she likes and what you like. That it's just a full experience where you both get to know each other better because that is wisdom, right? Wisdom is revelation applied, right? You have truth, you have things revealed to you, you know what's good, and so you apply it. That's wisdom. Revelation applied. So let's look at revelation, Right? Revelation here in the Greek, it literally means to unveil, to uncover. And this is stuff 
that you cannot know apart from God's unveiling it to you. You can't know it. He unveils it to you. He, cover, he uncovers it in your heart. He, he uncovers it. He makes it known to you. It's, it's a new revelation for you. It happens sometimes whenever you hear the preaching and teaching of God's word. Or you're listening to that podcast or you're in that Bible study and somebody teaches you something and you're like, oh my gosh, it's, it's awesome. That's brand new to me. I didn't know that before, right? Sometimes it happens even in your prayers. You're praying and crying out to God and he gives you thoughts and he gives you emotions and he gives you realizations that you didn't know before about him, about his character, about his word. But listen, I want to make one cautionary, one cautionary comment here. There is no such thing as new revelation. There is no such thing as new revelation, right? There's a lot of philosophies and, and uh, religions and a lot of wayward things, cults, that kind of stuff that have happened because, because someone said, all right, Jesus was cool then, he was a prophet for then, but God's given me a new revelation. There is no new revelation past what Jesus has already given us. And if you want to know if that revelation, that new piece of truth is actually of the Lord, then you open this thing up and you figure it out. Have you ever bought a new vehicle? Right? Yet your family's growing and so you decide that you need a van. And so you're looking at vans. And you've never looked at vans before, but now it's time to look at vans. And so you've done some research and uh, um, there's one that catches your eye. You've price pointed it, you know. Uh, you've test driven one. Now all of a sudden what happens when you're driving around town? You see them everywhere. You never saw it before. But now you see them everywhere, right? All of a sudden, they're everywhere, and you, you never realize it. It's the same. Whenever God reveals something to us and we got it, we're like, oh, wow, that's cool. It's new to me, right? I didn't know this was a thing. But then when you open the scriptures, it's everywhere. You see it everywhere. It's popping off the pages because now you're sensitive to it because it's a new revelation. You see that? But then... There's something different, right? He gives us wisdom and he gives us revelation. Why? To know him better. If your revelation is just to make you smarter or to, to, to pad your pockets somehow, if your revelation is just to bring fame to you, then it's not really revelation. And if it is, it's misused, right? Because revelation and wisdom, it's for us to know Jesus better. But not only that, but he gives us enlightenment of the heart to, to know the hope of the inheritance that he has for us so that we can know his power better. Enlightenment, right? Enlightenment in the Greek is the word phatizo. What does that make you think of? Like the flash on your camera, right? Phatizo. And so you're looking at a person and you take a picture and all of a sudden you see that thing on their face that you didn't notice before because the flash brightened it up, right? It, it, it refreshes, it renews um, your understanding of what you already knew, it's not necessarily a new revelation, it's a, it's a new sensitivity to something you already knew. For example, uh, my daughter, my oldest daughter, five, uh, she's five. Her name's not five, uh, but she's five. And she has a lazy eye in her right eye. She's completely blind in her right eye, right? Um, and the thing's just wonky sometimes. Like, it really just, like, turns and it goes its own way. But sometimes it doesn't, and I lose sensitivity to it, right? I just forget that she's completely blind in one of her eyes uh, until... You know, she clips the wall on her right side like a puppy dog, right? It's not going to be so cute whenever she's, you know, driving a car. But right now it's kind of cute. But still, it's kind of sad that she'll just clip something on her right side. Um, or if we're, like, telling her, like, Larissa, pick that up. And she's looking around, and it's right here, and she can't see it. Anybody else would be able to see it, but she can't see it because it's on her right side. 
And then every once in a while, you take a picture, you're having a conversation with her, and the thing just drifts off, and you're like, oh my gosh, she has a lazy eye. And that happens to me every once in a while, and what happens? My heart breaks a little bit for her, and I am enlightened to what I already knew. I'm resensitized to that truth. She's blind in that eye. I lost sensitivity to it. And you know what? I wonder if this is the reason so many times that we just kind of get stoic in our worship, that we kind of just get passive to the things of the Lord. It's because we've known it for so long. It's not because we're struggling with it. It's because we've known it for so long that we've become desensitized to it, and now we need re-enlightened. That was Paul's prayer for them, that they would be enlightened constantly to the hope of the inheritance of the riches that God has given them. And my guess is maybe people in here, you're just, you're just kind of lazy in your walk with the Lord because you, you haven't been enlightened in a while. Your heart is just kind of in that dark place where it needs renewed in its, in its vision, right? You need to see it all once again. You need to be reminded of what you've been saved from. There's no reason you, you can't express yourself in worship. Why? Because you've been saved from everything. There's zero reason why you can't overtly give praise to God. Why? Because you've been saved from everything. You think that person's opinion is really good enough to just keep you from praising the God overtly in the way you worship and the way you live? No way. You're probably just desensitized to the fact that he saved you from so much and you're desensitized to what he saved you for, which is to know him better and to grow in his power. Right? So he's given us wisdom and revelation to know him better. He's given us enlightenment so that we can uh, have a sensitivity once again to the hope of the inheritance he's given us so that we can know his power. The more you know him, the more you know his power. Right? Uh, the sermon title is something. Right? It's, uh, <laughs> I think it's to know him better, but my first title, I had to erase it because it was so stupid um, because it was from that little thing like a uh, the more you know. Remember those little ABC commercials? The more you know. Dot, 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 him. That was the sermon title before, so I erased that because it was super cheesy. Um, anyways, the more you know, him. <laughs> Let's continue. Um, on the note of prayer, on the note of prayer, I want to go ahead and add this. Note what, uh, what Paul's talking about. He talks about revelation, wisdom, enlightenment. Not only that, he's thankful for their faith and love. Right? He's not praying. I mean, just notice the substance, the spiritual substance to his prayer. He's not praying for his great-grandma's uncle's nephew's sick cat. You know what I mean? He's not praying for for mundane little things that maybe your two-year-old or three-year-old will pray for. Right? He has substance to his prayer. There's depth there. And I want to encourage us to start tapping into this as well. This is kind of uh, something that the Lord's been kind of working on me with as well. But to, to, to pray like you're entering into spiritual warfare because the reality is, is that's what we're up against, right? Your battle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against powers and authorities and rulers of this world and, and, and the powers of evil. That's what we're up against. And that's what we need to be praying against. It's good to pray for physical things, but only if there's a spiritual purpose, Right? So to have a spiritual backbone in your prayer. So let's take prayer by itself for a second. Remember, we have, we have prayer and perspective and people equals power. But let's just take prayer by itself. See, what is prayer apart from any perspective? What is it? By perspective, I mean what you pray to, what you pray for, right? Prayer has been around forever. 
Right? People used to pray to the moon, pray to the sun, pray to the, uh, the agriculture gods, and pray to the gods of, uh, uh, of sex and rain, and all of these things, right? This polytheistic way of praying. You just pray to whatever God uh, is associated, whatever the need is. What is that perspective? Right? Um, we have uh, people who, who pray to, like, dead ancestors, dead family members. Right? What's that perspective? The, it's the Marie Kondo, right? Pray, pray to your clothes and your house for the way they spark joy in your life. She has a lot of other good things to offer too, but that part's weird if you watch that stuff, right? What's your perspective? Not only that, but what do you pray for? What's your attitude in prayer? What do you pray for? Is it just, it just is it consumed with just the, the cosmetic physical things about your life? Is it for luxury? I've even heard of Christians who pray harm upon people, you know, who, who they think are more sinful than, than them. And I would say, in all of these cases, your perspective's off. And so your, your prayer is nothing more than therapy, right? It's just a conversation between your mouth and your brain. It doesn't go much further past that. It's just, it's just Hollywood misty religion, right? That doesn't mean anything. What's your perspective in your prayer? Well, here's our perspective, verse 19b. B as in at the start of the sentence there in the middle of the verse. That power is the same as mighty strength that he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him in his right hand in the heavenly realms. Far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church. For the church. (coughs) Excuse me. See, our perspective is on the basis of Jesus Christ, risen, powerful, seated at the right hand of God. Our perspective, our prayer, our pursuit, our worship is that we worship the resurrected king who is above all things. He is above all things. Any prayer from any other perspective is without substance. It's therapy at best. See, God in his infinite power has raised Christ from the dead. And it's the same resurrection power that he offers to us in his mighty strength to experience now. And he wants us to experience this, to experience it, to enter into the court so we can get to know it better. Because Jesus is at the right hand of God. He's above all. That's where he is right now. He is at the right hand of God above all things, right? Above all rule. In the Greek, that means the first, right? The first in charge. Whatever you think the first in charge is, or the president or the king, or whatever you think the first line of command is, it's not them. Praise the Lord for that, by the way. It's him. He's above all of it. It says that he's above all authority, right? The other day I was driving down 70, and there was this cop car that uh, had different colors that I had never seen from a county that I've never heard of. And I just saw it in my head, that guy's out of his jurisdiction. What is he doing over here? You know, God has no jurisdiction. He is everywhere. He is over all things. He has no limits, right? His authority is vast. His dominion, which is his command and his control, right? Nothing happens outside of what he allows. His name is above all names. His name is greater. His name is higher, right? Above all things. Any other person who claims any name, it's not as great as God's. Whatever that scientist is or that philosopher, or that, um, um, what, what the other religious leader, whatever that person is that's so shaped your life and molded the way you live, listen, if it doesn't align with the greater name, then it's not worth following. 
because his name is greater. And listen, here's the kicker. This is crazy. All of this stuff, this power, this rule, what does the Bible say right here? What is it all for? Verse 22, God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. It's for you. It's for me. It's for the church. It's for the church. And my guess is in here, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ this morning, at some point in time, you were revealed by the word of God what this all is, right? You heard the gospel, the message of Christ, and you received it. And since then, you've been experiencing the power of God. Why? Because he is seated above all things for the church, for you, for me. He really is for you and for me. And he has all the power in the world, and he wants us to experience some of it with him now. Not after you're dead, certainly after you're dead, but even now. That's what he wants for us. And my guess is here, part of our perspective of understanding that King Jesus is King Jesus is we need to understand this too. The reason we know that is because of the word of Jesus, right? The reason we're here today is because we took his word at his word. Somebody proclaimed it to you, you were reading it yourself, right? Or somebody just lived it out to you, the loving kindness of Jesus, and you accepted and you believed. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15 that says, says that scripture makes a person wise to salvation, Romans 10, 17 says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, right? People don't know Jesus outside of the revelation of the word of God. This is our perspective as well, the authority of Jesus and the word of Jesus, right? But listen, there's still something a little missing, isn't there? That's pretty good, right? If your prayer is on point and your perspective is true, that's really, really good. But I would say that we still need people. You want to know why? Well, look at here uh, in verse 23, 22 and 23. Let's do that. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Listen, to claim Christ as king and to have a passive, apathetic approach to the gathering of God's people, it's an oxymoron and it'll stunt your growth. Why? Because the church is the body of Christ who fills everything in every way. And all of this power that he's talking about, it is for the church. And so if you take a pass on it, you're missing out. Right? So many people wonder why there's so much strife and why they're not sensing God's power. And and they've divorced themselves from God's people. Maybe they're even here in flesh, but they're not here in spirit. And they're wondering, where, where, where is God's power? Well, undivorce yourself. Reattach yourself to God's people because that is where there is power. You know what? I, just in this body alone, I could, I could tell you of people who have come out of cults, who have come out of gender and sexual identity confusion, who have come out of divorce and infertility and adultery and on and on and on, a financial crisis and losing jobs. It's all right here. It's you and it's me. We are all in this together and we all struggle. Right? But God... God has given us each other, and when we bear up with one another, there's power in that. There's power in that, right? I want to encourage you today. I I would imagine you're in need of God's power, right? You've said it yourself, and I want to encourage you today. It's, It's the same stuff, isn't it? Prayer perspective that comes from understanding Jesus is king and and reading the Bible and the word of God. Right? And people just being a part of the church. But I'm telling you, if you re-up today, 
dig in, right? I, I pray that some of you have been relying on just the daily Bible verses, and they're so good, but that today you're convicted to say, you know what, I need to study God's word. I need to dig in. I need to go deep because he has so much for me to offer, right? Church for you is just something that you do whenever you're free to do it, and I pray that today God might might renew something in you to understand that this is where you need to go. This is where, this is where his word is applied. Like, this is, this is it. What we do here to build each other up and then to spread out, right? Having the right prayer and the right perspective without God's people. It's like having a PhD in, in, in something, and yet you still just play video games and work part-time at, at Roadhouse, and, and you stay at your parents' house. You live at your parents' basement, right? You have the equipment, but you're in the wrong field because you're putting aside God's body. And listen, when we let these things happen, when we give Satan a foothold into our experience here and we let bitterness and all of this stuff uh, uh, and, sh- and, and blame, when we let all of this stuff spread, you know what he's doing? He's just smiling because he knows better than anybody else how much power can be unleashed when God's people unify for the mission of Jesus Christ. And that's what he calls us to. That's what he wants us to experience. And I I hope that you're up for that today. There are so many places where we need this. And I know I need to wrap up soon. We need God's power at a national level, don't we? We need it. You've probably heard this past week of the new new law passed in New York that permits the, um, the abortion of children even all the way up to their due date. Right? And I know if you do some research, it doesn't sound a whole lot worse than where it already was. But if you're like me, then you've been resensitized to the issue today, and it's catastrophic. We need God's power at a national level, don't we? But you know, at the same time that I heard that, I heard the story of a young woman. She was 17. She kind of fell off in her faith a little bit. She kind of went, went, went away. She got pregnant when she was 17. But then she was conflicted with this decision because she... Um, um, didn't know what to do her, with her baby, but she didn't want to risk going to the college of her dreams. So she aborted the child, right? Which, as in most cases, abortion is usually uh, a matter of shame or inconvenience and that kind of thing. What the abortion doctors didn't tell her, and they usually don't tell people, is the kind of effect that this is going to have on your body and spirit and soul. And so she sunk into a deep depression of anxiety and shame and guilt. And she was in that for a long time until, until God's power came in right? She got God's perspective. People were praying for her. She started praying against the spiritual forces, and God's people rallied around her, right? They didn't kick her to the side and say, you know what? You, you need to sit in this shame, right? They pulled her in, and as a result, now she's leading a ministry to young women who were where she was. That's God's power. By the way, Yes, we do need God's power at a national level, but I've met so many Christians who are only concerned with the national, and whenever they have an individual in their midst who's struggling because of that stuff, they put them to the side. Right? It's not worth their time. That's a, that's a no-no in the body of Christ. Just think about all this gender confusion, the sexual confusion that people are going through, and it's the same thing there. We need God's power at a national level, don't we? We need his perspective. We need his power to sink into this place. But at the same time, we have people um, like Sam Albury, who's a pastor in the UK, who is a pastor who struggles with same-sex attraction, and he has his whole life, but he's a vibrant preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ because of God's power in his life. It's still a struggle for him today, but he preaches with boldness in the name of Jesus Christ. You have people like Jackie Hill Perry who wrote that book, right? Uh, uh, Gay Girl, Good God. 
And she talks about her story of sexual abuse and sexual confusion and identity crisis. I mean, she was in the thralls of it, but guess what? God's power. And he brought her out of it, and she has a family. And she's ministering to people who are in there. And once again, too many Christians are only focused at the national level and will bark and complain and moan about everything that's going on. But when one of those people comes into here, they better experience the loving kindness of Jesus Christ. They better Because that's his perspective. And if we don't do that, then they're not going to know his power. Right? Where do you need Jesus' power today? Statistics would say that over half of the men in this room have looked at pornography in the last month. Those are statistics. Statistics would say that almost half of you are discontent in your marriage. Statistics would say that if you have a teenager in your life, your life is crazy, 100% of the time. That's a real statistic. I made that up, but I think it's accurate. Amen, somebody said. Thank you, somebody took me up on it. Right? You need God's power. We need God's power. Right? So let's re-up today. I don't know where you're at, but I would encourage you to pray with a spiritual fervor against these things. This is where you're at, right? You're struggling with this stuff. I know there's a lot of things to pray for. You need to take this seriously, though, and you need to take it head on, starting today. If you have this perspective of Jesus as king, right, your perspective as you dig and delve and study and and, and enrapture yourself in the word of God, you need to do that, to take it to a whole other level. I don't even care where you're at now. You could be a Bible scholar, and I'm going to tell you to go another level because you need to, because the more you go, the more you're going to know, and the more you know, the more you're going to experience his power. And thirdly, if you're taking a passive approach to the gathering of God's people, today is your day to change it, because we've got little kids who need you to serve them. We've got older people who need you to serve them. You need to be served. You need to be consumed with God's people. You need it. And, and, and the more passive you are with it, the more you passive you are in your experience with God's power in your life. And listen, the whole point of this is verse 17, right? That we would know him better. That's my desire for you today. You want to know him better? You're going to pray with spiritual fervor and a spiritual backbone. You're going to have his perspective as you submit to him as King Jesus and as you submit to uh, his word in your life in a new and deeper way. And you're going to surround yourself with God's people. And you're going to know his power. Tried and true. It's tried and true. Let's pray. God, thank you for this day. Thank you for your word. We ask that you would speak to us now as we pray to you, as we worship once again. God, that you would just coat our hearts with just your love and goodness. And God, for the people in here who need uh, wisdom and enlightenment and revelation, that you would give to them as you see fit to each person. God, that you would resensitize us to things that you are very serious about and that you take uh, uh, very seriously, that you would give us enlightenment to those things, God. That you'd give us new truths today. I know they're just eternal truths, but they're new for us. Would you give those to us today too, God? For each person in here who needs your power, God, I pray that today they would connect the dots in their hearts and minds and understand that if they want to know your power, then they need to know you better. God, would you incline us to this this morning? By the power of your spirit, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <coughs> There's a few prayer points on the screen as we go into a time of just response. Take these seriously. Just pray against uh, the things in your life with a spiritual backbone, right? Um, pray for a deeper commitment and passion. 
for God's word and God's church to take it a step deeper, to get to know him better in these ways. And I want to go ahead and just implore you to pray also on just some of the, the social issues out there. I don't know where you're at with some of this stuff, but pray for a new conviction regarding the unborn. We've been called to defend them. Let God humble your heart in that way and pray that he would, he would soften you to that issue. And not only that, but we pray that you and your families and that FBN itself would be a place of loving kindness to people who suffer from past regrets in these places for people who are in the midst of these struggles even now, that this place would be accepting and open and encouraging, that we would certainly give them the right perspective, but also that we would give them the full perspective of sin and blessing. There's nothing anyone can do to send their way out of the blood of Jesus Christ. And they need to know about Jesus. Spend some time in prayer.